0: Hey, welcome to the 13th warehouse friday the 13th tv series edition i'm vicky and i'm ken and the following is the episode credits for friday the 13th the series season one episode 22 the pirates promise series created by frank mancuso jr and larry b williams written by carl Binder, directed by bill corcoran original air date june 27th 1988 hi we're back with season one episode 22 the pirates Promise." The Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a foghorn that summons the murderous spirit of a pirate that trades his treasure for the lives of the descendants of his mutinous crew. We had a bit of a scheduling snafu. That was completely my fault. But since I had everything ready and because my anxiety not to fall behind, even though it's April and we have episodes scheduled into June so far, so we're seriously not behind by any stretch of the imagination, I'm still being me and panicking. So me being me, decided to just do this one myself because it's how I roll. Kim will be back next time, I promise. The episode opens with Joe Fenton, the lighthouse keeper, taking a date back to his lighthouse. He blows the foghorn and they see a boat out into the darkness and Joe stabs his date. He carries her out to the waiting boat and says, First gunner Abel Mercer to the dark figure in the boat. And the figure throws out some gold coins and he and the boat disappear into the foggy waters. The following day, Dewey Covington calls the shop. He received a letter about the foghorn purchased at the store.
1: Uh, well, my name is Dewey Covington. Uh, you sent me a letter uh, regarding a uh, an old foghorn? Yes. As we stated in the letter, we'd be willing to buy it back. Well, I don't have it anymore. I sold it. Is there any chance you can get it back? Well, the man I sold it to died last year. I- I'm sure it's still around, though. I see. Well, where exactly is Whaler's Point, Miss Covington? Well, that depends where you're coming from. It's It's a little town just up the coast. Well, that doesn't sound too far. Thank you very much. We're on our way. Bye
0: for now. It turns out that Dewey sold the foghorn to someone who died a year earlier, but he is sure it's still around town somewhere. Mickey and Ryan head to Whalers Point to see if they can track it down. Mickey seems to be all into the history of the town and the pirate stories attached to it. I kind of thought that Ryan would be more into the whole thing, especially since there are pirates and treasure involved, but it seems to be Mickey who's all excited about the whole thing. They meet Dewey at the museum and he tells them that Joe Fenton runs the lighthouse and he may be able to help them. When Mickey and Ryan leave the museum heading for the lighthouse, an apparently drunk man tells them not to go. His name is Barney. His ancestors were some of the original people to inhabit the town. He brings up the pirate Angus McBride.
1: Uh, This is Barney Williams. He's one of our pioneers. My ancestors come here with the privateers sailed with Butcher McBride himself back in 1717. Oh, yeah. Angus McBride. One and the same. He, he, he met his doom right out there. In 1720, the uh, crew mutiny eating they set him adrift in a small boat. Hey, they say he took the ship's cook. Cut off his ears, salt and peppered them, and then made the poor bugger eat
0: him. Both Dewey and Barney tell the story of Angus and his crew that mutinied. Barney also mentions that four young women are missing, but Dewey passes it off as a drunk man making up stories to scare the tourists.
1: I bet he's the one that done in that poor little Marie, too. Four of them come up missing in the last six months. Four pretty little things like you, miss. Barney likes to tell stories to the tourists to get him to buy him drinks while he's not beachcombing at Widow's Cove. Oh no, I sleep down there. I see things most every night. <laughs> I can buy that. Hey, say, Annie, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good day.
0: So Mickey and Ryan go to speak with Joe Fenton at the lighthouse. He tells them he sold it to someone who came into the bay in a beat up boat. He didn't get his name, but he tells them he'll let them know if he sees him again. That night, Joe comes back to the lighthouse with someone who seems to know about coins and is willing to help him sell them, but he kills her as well. Once again, he blows the foghorn, the boat arrives, he tosses the body in, and the person in the boat throws coins on the beach. Joe says another name, but I can only make out Donovan. Drunk Barney sees the whole exchange. Later, we see Joe drawing a line through the name Edward Donovan in a book that now has all of the names crossed out but one, Frederick Williams, and Joe whispers just one more. Barney runs back to Dewey and tells him what he saw. Barney says it was McBride in the boat. Dewey throws him out, not believing him. Meanwhile, Mickey and Ryan are having dinner and discussing the case when Barney runs into the bar yelling about McBride. Ryan begins to pay attention when he hears Barney yell about hearing the foghorn as the owner is throwing him out of the bar. Ryan and Mickey split up to hunt for Barney, but they don't find him standing right in front of them. That was sarcasm, folks. They really don't look very hard. And they give up and go back to the hotel. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
1: Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism,
0: and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and
1: you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicki, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. The next morning, Ryan and Mickey stake out the lighthouse. Mickey goes to flirt with Joe so Ryan can look around inside the lighthouse for the foghorn. Joe makes an excuse to go back to the lighthouse to get his tape measure, but he won't let Mickey in. So I think he probably was wondering where Ryan was and if this was some some kind of trap. Ryan climbs over the side of the railing to keep Joe from finding him. Seriously, I really can't imagine how he missed him dangling off the side of the lighthouse and his fingers holding onto the platform, but he did. Ryan climbs back up and signals Mickey, and Mickey leaves. He didn't find the foghorn. Mickey wonders about the stories about the old man in the beat-up boat buying the foghorn and the man in the boat that Barney saw, and so they kind of do start to believe that it's a ghost, but they wonder why the ghost would need a foghorn. They go to look for Barney to talk to him again, Ryan finds a coin in the sand, but they don't find Barney because Barney's confronting Joe about Angus McBride back at the lighthouse. Barney's been looking for this treasure for 30 years, and he wants to know what's going on. So Joe shows Barney the book, which turns out to be Angus's ship's log. The name that's not crossed out is Frederick Williams, and he was a carpenter, and we also find out it was Barney's ancestor.
1: Well, I guess it's uh, time I showed you something. Have a look at that. A ship's log from the Corianne. That's my bride ship. That's right. And there was a carpenter on board that ship. Frederick Williams, your ancestor. I know. My bride gave me these. They rightfully belong to you. Where's the rest of them? I want to see my bride. I can understand that. I'm sure you've got a lot to talk about. But first, we're going to
0: call him. So Barney wants his share of his family's treasure. So Joe brings him upstairs, blows the foghorn, and brings Barney to the boat, still alive. But Joe kills him with an axe. Joe thinks this is the last kill, but the pirate tells him there's one more, but he doesn't tell him who it is. So right here I was kind of thinking that Joe was going to turn out to be the last descendant, so he wasn't ever going to get the treasure he was waiting for. So Ryan and Mickey take the coin to Dewey, who is sure it's part of the missing treasure. Dewey looks up the history of the ship that was sunk with all of its gold by McBride's ship. The mint registry matches.
1: Look. Uh, this is an informal history of the Corianne, a bride ship. Uh, crew list, provisions, prizes, uh, prizes taken. Here we are. The Santa Ynez, laden with Spanish gold, went down with all hands off this coast, sunk by the Corianne. And uh, see the mint registry, identical. Yes, but I can't get over the condition. It's as if it came from the mint yesterday.
0: So Mickey and Ryan read the list of the ships crew, and Mickey asks Dewey if the missing women were descendants of McBride's crew. Dewey checks the crew list and says that yes, they all are.
1: Yeah, look at these names. Forster, Rice, Heatherton, all the crew of the Corps Dewey, about the four missing women, is it possible that they could be the descendants of the men who mutinied against McBride? Forster, Rice. Yes, and the others, Magnum, Thomas. I never made the connection before. I haven't looked at this book in years, but you're right. McBride.
0: So Ryan leaves to find Barney, and Mickey goes to the Hall of Records to search for the names of other crew members. So after Mickey and Ryan leave, Dewey realizes that Barney is the descendant of the Frederick Williams listed in the book. He rushes off. Meanwhile, Joe is frantically going through his book to try to figure out who the one more is. And again, I was still convinced that it was him. I'm not sure how it would have worked out or played out, but I really believe that at some point he'd discover that he was the last descendant. Ryan is at the caves looking for Barney while Mickey is looking through the records at the town hall. She finds something and says, oh my God. So right here, I abandoned my Joe theory and got it into my head that by some sort of weird turn of events, she's discovered that Ryan is actually a descendant because that's the way my mind works. Plus, we don't know a lot about Ryan's background or family, so it's entirely possible that his ancestors could have been from this place and he just didn't know. As Mickey's leaving the Hall of Records, Joe Fenton comes in. She's able to leave without him noticing her, but he does find the book she left out on the desk and apparently comes across the same information that Mickey did. So he's smiling, so I had already changed my theory, but at this point, we know Joe isn't the last descendant. Mickey runs back to the museum, but Dewey's not there. She runs off to look for him. After she leaves, Joe shows up, but he can't get in either. Back at the cave, Ryan finds Barney's body along with a bunch of other bodies. Mickey finds Dewey on the beach and he tells Mickey about Barney being a descendant while Mickey tries to tell him what she's learned. Dewey is the descendant. His real mother died when he was born and he was adopted, which is why he never knew about his real history.
1: Mickey. And I've been looking for Barney, the cruelest. His ancestor was a carpenter on the Corianne. Dewey, let's... And I can't find him anywhere. Nobody cares about him except me. Dewey! You're That's impossible. My parents came over from England. No, it's in the books in the Hall of Records. Your real mother was Rhonda Matu. She died when you were born and the Covingtons adopted you. Which means whatever is happening to the descendants of the mutineers, you are the next in line.
0: Then Dewey remembers the curse. McBride swore he'd return to avenge himself.
1: The curse. What? McBride's curse. He swore he'd return to avenge himself. That he'd sail to hell with his crew. And their descendants. Dewey, the foghorn we've been looking for, it's cursed too. I don't know what it does, but McBride's using it somehow. We have to find it and get it back. People's lives are at stake.
0: And Mickey tells him about the cursed foghorn and that it all must be related, and they have to get it back. Dewey wants to go to the lighthouse, but Mickey thinks she's safer because she's not part of the curse. Dewey's worried about Barney. So Mickey goes to the lighthouse while Dewey continues to look for Barney on the beach. So Mickey climbs into the lighthouse through the same window that Ryan got through earlier, but Joe arrives and notices the light from her flashlight inside. Joe catches her, and she tries to talk her way out of the situation, but Joe knows she's lying and he comes at her with a sword. Fortunately, his aim is about as good as Micah's was with the broom in the warehouse till novella episode, and as good as the scarecrow's in the earlier scarecrow episode, and he misses. Dewey runs in to save her, but Joe stabs him with the sword. Ryan's still trying to make his way out of the cave, and he comes upon Angus McBride. He runs back to where he saw the bodies and takes a knife out of one of the bodies, but the foghorn blows, and Angus leaves without killing him. Mickey and Ryan find each other on the beach and Ryan tells her that McBride is real and Barney is dead. Mickey tells Ryan that Joe is using the foghorn to summon McBride. Joe puts Dewey's body on the boat and expects to hear where the treasure is, but McBride says no, there's still another descendant. And now I'm thinking I was right all along. Mickey and Ryan search for the foghorn in the lighthouse while Joe argues with McBride on the beach. Ryan and Mickey take the foghorn and Joe comes back looking for it because McBride is going to kill him. McBride breaks into the lighthouse and kills Joe, and they both vanish into the fog. Back at the shop, Mickey is still upset over Dewey's death, especially because he died trying to save her. But Ryan finds something in the book. Dewey was adopted, but his mother also had another son who was adopted out as well. That son was Joe. Joe and Dewey were brothers, and Joe was the final descendant. So, full disclosure, I normally watch each episode twice, so I'm not coming up with crazy theories in my notes that are proven totally wrong by the end of the episode. But this time I only watched once, and I did come up with crazy theories in my notes, which I left in this episode. And though both of my theories weren't right, but one of them was actually correct. And that never happens. Anyway, I like this episode because I tend to like the episodes more if the cursed antique has some kind of story behind it. Like this foghorn or the quilt from Salem or the teacup. I like it because it's more like an artifact from Warehouse rather than a curse that has nothing to do with anything like the wood chipper that turns dead people into money. So I did really like this episode. So thanks for listening and Kim and I will be back shortly with another episode or two and we'll see you then.
1: This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse Friday the 13th, the series edition. Suspense Night provided by Anton Kwanenko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.